Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party, a podcast for women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. This season, we're bringing in leading female powerhouses to take a deep dive into the topics that matter most to you. Technology, money, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it, we're covering it all. Tune in every Wednesday for career, real talk, and BS-free advice from the best in the biz. Ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. To today's guest, fashion is not only a passion, but also a vehicle to empower others. Michelle Cador is the designer, CEO, and visionary behind Yes I Am, a clothing brand that seeks to inspire others to tell their stories of triumph. Founded in 2016, her designs feature messages of empowerment like queens empower queens, know your worth, and faith it till you make it. And that's not all Michelle does. She's also the co-owner of Brooklyn-based fashion boutique, Despot NYC, which showcases 25-plus independent creative brands owned by people of color, including her own line, Yes, I Am. Michelle clearly has a knack for entrepreneurship, and she's made it her mission to use her business platforms to elevate and inspire other women. She took this mission a step further last year when she launched Cador Advisory Group, a business consultancy firm dedicated to helping small businesses grow and reach their full potential. You might have also caught her creations on display at past Create and Cultivate events, when we used to have events. Uh, but in this episode of Work Party, I sit down with Michelle to learn how she brought her entrepreneurial vision to life and how she's using fashion to empower others. So let's get right into it. So welcome to the show, Michelle. So excited to have you. Thank you, Jacqueline. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So first and foremost, tell us what Yes I Am is. So Yes I Am Inc. is a clothing brand that um, I started in 2016. And I started it because I wanted to inspire and empower other people, including myself. So I am are the two most powerful words for what you put after them shapes your reality. And it's all about speaking life into existence and really manifesting, you know, the life that you imagine. And uh, once I started that brand, a lot of things just started to change for the better. Amazing. Yeah. And we got to meet at the Create and Cultivate New York event, I guess, what was it, two years ago now? It feels like a lifetime ago where you had a pop-up and you had some of your items there, which was awesome. So have you always been an entrepreneur? When did this journey into entrepreneurship start for you? So actually, I spent three years working for city government 
helping small businesses to basically get access to money to grow their own businesses. And then the last three years I spent as an assistant director for a nonprofit organization. But when I was working at my government job, that was when I decided, you know, I realized there was a glass ceiling above me and I decided not to leave my future in the hands of someone else. So I remember one night I was just, you know, leaving the job. I asked for a promotion. They said, we'll see who else is interested. I was like, oh, I'm already doing the job. I'm already getting, you know, I'm not getting paid for it. So how dare, you know, I was like, all right, having a whole moment, went to the bar and everything. I'm standing on the corner about to cross on on Dre Street in um, Brooklyn. And it's raining. It's pouring. I'm feeling so sad for myself. And this cab passes by and splashes me from head to toe mouth open and everything like it was horrible (laughs) this lady she was like here here she's like throws her little napkins at me and she's like here she feels so sorry for me but I took that as a uh, as a wake-up call from the universe that you know you've done amazing things before you will continue to do amazing things so this is not it I am who I say I am and so that night yes I am clothing was born amazing yeah (laughs) I love it I mean sometimes it takes that (laughs) rock bottom moment I know for me, I always tell people my story started out from being laid off from a job. So it's always those stories that kind of propel you into this new phase of entrepreneurship. But with that job, you know, being in that position where you were helping small businesses attract capital, did you feel ahead of the game already when you were starting the company? Yeah. So the funny thing is I actually had a background in business management and entrepreneurship. That's what I went to school for. I graduated from Baruch College with a degree in, you know, BBA in uh, that study. And as a young kid, I will tell you, I was that six-year-old standing in my parents' driveway, like stealing my mom's lemons to make or borrowing <laughs> to make lemonade and, you know, using all my old school books and toys. Have my, I had my little friends with me and they were my helpers and we would flag down any car that came down our little one-way block and try to sell them their lemonade. So I've always had entrepreneurship in my veins. It's in my family's blood. You know, my grandparents were entrepreneurs and my mom, she was a full-time, she is a full-time nurse or at the time was and still an entrepreneur, but I've always had like that hustle spirit in my blood. So it was just bound to come about sooner or later. So what specifically made you want to explore fashion as a means to empower and inspire others? Did you have a background in fashion? Like, did you know like, oh, I can get t-shirts made. I know how to do that. Or was this like a whole new world for you? So I actually had no idea about how to get into fashion. I knew nothing. But when I decided I was going to start my brand, my friend, um, Victoria Coker, she was like, you know what? I know someone who has their own fashion line. His name is Francie Face, or Face is what we call it, Francie Face Clothing. She was like, I'm going to connect you with him. And, you know, you guys can speak and see, you know, about starting your brand. So when I met with him, I said, hey, I want you to be my mentor. (laughs) I was like, you know, this is what I'm doing. I need you to teach me. And he was like, I've never mentored anyone. I said, well, good. Now you're going to be my mentor. You're going to teach me how to do what you do. And he was like, okay. He saw that I was hungry. And within, I would say, it took probably like, we met in February and he pushed me out on my first pop-up shop in July. 
And from there, he and I were like, you know, dreaming about opening up our own boutique. And then we became partners just a year later. I love that you partnered with your mentor. That's amazing. So you are the co-owner of the Brooklyn-based boutique now, Despot NYC. So this business, how does it coexist with Yes, I Am? And how does it feel to have multi-hustle kind of going at the same time? <laughs> yeah, so Yes, I Am clothing. So there's Yes, I Am clothing and Fronty Face clothing. And the two of us, like I said, we were dreaming. My brand launched in July 2016. And in August 2018, I mean, sorry, August 2017, he and I were like dreaming out loud, literally dreaming out loud. Yo, it would be so dope if we had our own boutique. It would be so great. Where would we have it? Downtown Brooklyn, Flatbush, Williamsburg. And then he says Dumbo. And I'm like, Dumbo? Nobody goes to Dumbo. And sure enough, nine months later, I think it was April 2017, I'm at my new job now. And he's doing a fashion shoot in Dumbo. He's looking for scissors. He stumbles across the shops at Front Street. And he sees there's a for rent sign. And he's like, yo, I think I found our shop. And I'm like, what? (laughs) But you know what? We had three days to put the money down. It was $1,500, $750 for the rent and $750 for security. And so we got a third partner and we said, all right, we'll all just chip in and make this happen. And within a month, we opened up our doors and we had like triple our rent on day one. So it was crazy. We started with just three brands and shop in addition to our own three brands, um, three independent brands, all by people of color. And within six months, we had 25 brands and shop. And then we actually moved across the hall to a 200 square foot space. (laughs) And then we were like, you know, we knew we had something. Your business is more than the goods you sell or the services you provide. It's the heart of the economy. That's why I'm teaming up with MasterCard to support entrepreneurs by sharing my tips and advice to help their business, like how to give your business a voice that inspires others. As a founder myself, all I have ever hoped to do is inspire others, inspire them to ask for the salary they know they deserve, to turn their side hustle into a full-blown business, to pitch their business to their dream press outlet. The list goes on and on and on. If you're a business owner and like me, seek to make a more lasting impact than simply selling a good or service, then I ask you to start from the very beginning. What problem are you aiming to solve with your business? Who exactly is experiencing this problem and who is this person at their core? Really dig into what your audience or consumer is. Do they primarily reside in big cities like New York or Los Angeles? Do they lead eco-friendly lifestyles? Do their salaries fall within a specific range? Cater your business voice to these findings. Beyond that, be authentic in your business voice. Be transparent and honest to the good and the bad. Whether that's sharing when you secure a major round of funding or when you've made a bad judgment call and need to correct your error. Remember, with authenticity often comes relatability. If you let the humanity behind your business shine through, chances are your customers or audience will relate to what you're experiencing and be inspired to pursue their dreams too. For more tools and resources, go to mastercard.us slash local biz. That's mastercard.us slash local biz. Together, let's start something priceless. That's amazing. And now, I mean, obviously Dumbo is now huge and like, I feel like everyone's there. So that's great that you guys were ahead of the game on that and that you guys saw such explosive growth. But sometimes it takes that partner or mentor or whoever to say, I found it, we're doing this, taking that leap. You know, that's why it's really great to have this amazing relationship. So what were some of the hurdles you guys had to overcome as, you know, entrepreneurs and what advice can you share for others who maybe are like, I want to open a boutique. I want to have a clothing line. Like what advice would you give to someone? 
I mean, I think the best thing is to definitely, you know, have a partner if you can. But um, at the time, you know, Face and I and our third partner, well, Face and I mainly, we both had full-time jobs and I had a demanding job. Plus, you know, I was growing Yes I Am Clothing and I was, I became a caretaker from my mom who had lost her um, sight to cataracts or is temporarily blind. So it was a lot to, you know, I had a lot on my plate. And um, I would say we were doing really well, but we were still in this, a low traffic area. Dumbo's super cool and creative, but it's very like out of the way. So by 20, the top of 2019, we lost two business partners and we had to downsize. So we went from our little 200 square foot spot to back to a 100 square foot space. And we ended up moving in next door with our neighbor, Canvas Art Gallery, who we always collaborated with anyway. But it was just like, at that point, I was like, look, if we, wherever we move from here, we have to move into a high traffic space. And it has to be like, we have to jump because I can't do this anymore. I started to feel like I was outgrowing the closet. That's what it felt like. So, you know, those were a few of the challenges. And then, of course, I had my own personal challenges. While I'm doing that, I was dealing with like a million dollar lawsuit for one of my properties, one of my homes, my home. And then my own home was facing, you know, challenges in when you're just like you're paying for lawyers all the time. It becomes a lot. So it's a miracle child. I'm just like, oh, so glad. (laughs) Everything always happens at once. It always feels that way. It's never like you luck out and problems space themselves out. It always comes at once. So did you eventually leave that spot and open somewhere else? We did. So the crazy thing is, the crazy, crazy thing is, the top of January 2019, you know, the partners leave. They're like, you know, this isn't working. And I will say by summer, City Point Mall, which is downtown Brooklyn, luxury. It's a, you know, very nice mall, the nicest mall in Brooklyn. They started, um, we started having conversations with them. And we've actually been inside of the mall for pop-ups several times over the course of the last two and a half years during that time. By October, it was our anniversary for the day that we received the keys for our now 1,000 square foot retail space. And It has been a blessing. It has really been a life changer. My partner and I both left our jobs and we're now full-time entrepreneurs. And our shop has now housed over 50 independent Black-owned and Brown-owned brands. And now that art gallery that was our Dumbo neighbor is now housed within our shop. So now we're also giving opportunities or art opportunities to artists of color, local artists of color, so they too can have their work showcased and, you know, more visible to a wider audience. I love that so much. That's incredible. So what did it feel like to quit your full-time job? I mean, I think that's something that is a question that gets asked all the time at Create and Cultivate. When when should I quit my full-time job to, you know, go full-time with my side hustle? So what was that moment like for you? For me, it was, I'm not going to say it was bittersweet because the entire year I kept saying by that, so more manifesting. I kept saying by the end of the year, we're going to be full-time entrepreneurs. I'm going to be a full-time entrepreneur. I was at that point where I knew I needed to be on my own. And funny thing is my, my boss at the time, when we first met, you know, she was interviewing me. I said, listen, I have this business before I even had the shop. I was like, if yes, I am clothing blows up, I'm going to become a full-time entrepreneur. So she was like, just give me a heads up. We were going through so much at work. 
that it was like, girl, <laughs> let's have this conversation. <laughs> what do you want to do? And I'm like, all right, here's my last day. <laughs> you know, like this is what it is. Because we were at the point where the store was reopened in November. November 16th is actually our one year anniversary at City Point. But we were at the point where the store was just growing so fast and doing so well that we needed to be there full time. And I wasn't, we weren't yet ready to like hire people. We had to be in the business, you know? So we didn't have a choice. It was like, okay, (laughs) we can go now. Absolutely. And I really like, that you told your employer that. I think employers really respect that. I know even with Crate and Colgate, I've had a few employees, you know, not all of them, but like a few of them say, I want to have my own company. I want to be here for like a year and just absorb and learn as much as possible. I'll work my ass off, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I really respect that because I think it brings a different level of respect to the table. Yeah. And also lets you learn in a way that you don't feel like you're just doing a disservice to the job that you're at. So I think that's really important also. You know, the funny thing is all of the women who worked on my team, um, all of my staff members, every single one of them started their own company while we were there. So even though, you know, they're working and they're trying to meet goal, we're doing our best on their lunch break. It'd be like, Miss Kador, okay, how do I do this? How do I set up my website? How do... And I'm like, come on, girl, let's do this. So I'm super proud. I think it's really good as a leader, you know, to help your team and instill those values in them to not only be an employee, but also know how to be a leader themselves and how to have their own. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes I get people who leave and start their own company. And they're like, oh, my God, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of, oh, my God, it's so much work. Or then you get people who are, you know, totally thriving and loving it. So, you know, it's good either way, but it's a good lesson to learn for sure. So obviously, you know, Face was your mentor, now your business partner. But what role did mentorship play in the evolution of your business? Uh, Face was like my creative director, right? So there were times where you'd like, Oh no, (laughs) you tell me straight up, like, don't do that. And then of course I came into my own and I started to be able to like create without having to double check, but it was just good to have, you know, a peer who understood what I was going through. And while he was mentoring me and teaching me, you know, I was also teaching him because he is more of the creative eye and I'm more of the business minded person. And so that is how like our partnership is like the perfect blend. I I study the numbers and I'm like, this is moving faster. If we do this and target these people, they'll love it. And he's just like, let me paste this flower on top of this gold thing here and flowers to the people. And everybody's like, oh, that's beautiful. You know, so (laughs) it's been interesting. So how did you know how to price your items? How did you find out about manufacturing? Like, how did you learn about all the ins and outs of the fashion industry? So face taught me, (laughs) for sure. So the first thing was, I remember when I first made my, um, when I made my first t-shirt, I was, you know, you come out as a new brand, you think, I don't know who's going to buy this. And so I'm like, oh, I'll make it like $24.99. And he was like, hell no, this is, you know, premium you're going to price it at $35.99 minimum or $35 minimum. And I'm like, no one's going to buy this at $35. Well, at that pop-up, a woman who owed me nothing, which I call a stranger sale, she purchased about four or five of my shirts. And I was just like, oh, she loves it. So, you know, then I realized you set your own value, you know? And of course, I wanted to make sure that my clothing was still affordable. Now I sell my t-shirts in the shop for $40 and people don't even bat an eye. They just love the brand, you know? So um, I learned that from him, just knowing your value and your worth and setting it. 
And then also manufacturing. So we actually make the clothes ourselves in shop. We also have a production. Like in the back of our shop, we do production. So we actually just did a collaboration with Shea Moisture, which was super cool. And, you know, we continue to make sure that it's locally sourced and quality merchandise that we're using or products that we're using to do our printing. And yeah, so that's what we're doing so far, you know, just doing it from home, not home, but from the shop. And hopefully eventually we'll get to the point where we have our own factory and it gets a bit bigger, but that's what we're doing now. Yeah, if it works, it works. So what's the biggest obstacle women face in becoming entrepreneurs and how can we continue to elevate female voices to get them into the business world? I mean, I think the biggest obstacle is funding, right? Just being a woman and being a woman of color, it's so hard to get funding sometimes. Well, now things have changed where people are just like throwing money at us now. So like, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> In general, funding and also I, I think we have a huge support network as women. We, um, you know, we have a lot of other women that we can tap into, but we can't do it all. And then on top of that, I am not yet a mother or a wife. I aspire to be one, you know, at some point. But I mean, hats off to the women who are not only entrepreneurs, but are juggling those personal lives as well. It's a lot to balance. And we have to worry about if we, you know, step away from our family to focus on the business or step away from the business to focus on the family. It's a lot of juggling. So I definitely think that one is capital, but um, two is just having a balanced, healthy life is definitely a major thing. Being a caretaker is assumably equivalent to being a parent. I can only imagine that it weighs pretty heavily. So have you thought about raising money? Are you completely self-funded currently? And what does that really look like for you? Yeah, so we're actually self-funded. We haven't thought about investors as yet, but eventually we may come to the point where we would want investors. And, you know, being self-funded is, it was a lot. A lot of my money from when I was working full-time was going to the business. But now we're at a point where we have our own brand. Uh, It's called Brooklyn-ish and people love it. So now the business is generating its own income. It's like a little playoff of Blackish, totally trademarked, totally ours. So I'm like, okay, let's put this in Foot Locker and put it in other places and really like grow that, you know, and think of other ways that we can bring money into the shop. So it's not just the shop, it's also the production business and a lot of different things that we have going on to make sure that our business model is solid. So you have a great relationship with your business partner, it sounds like. So what would you say is your secret sauce, you know, to having a successful partnership? Well, the partnership is like a marriage. Let's just say that. So the, you have your good days and you have your days where like, you know, I want to kick you out the house, right? <laughs> but um, the thing that works is that we do have a solid friendship and we also have the same goal and aspirations. You know, we both want to see this is our baby. Like when we, I remember I said, Face and I were dreaming about this from the beginning And we've seen two partners come and go, but this is still our child. Like we're never giving up on our baby. Um, So I think it's really important to find someone who's like-minded and just as hungry and passionate as you, because there are days where you're going to feel like, you know, I want to quit. And they're going to be like, you can't quit because I need you. And it's like, oh, well, (laughs) you know, and I can't do it without you either. So yeah, let's keep going. (laughs) I I love that. So what would you say has been the biggest money mistake you've made and what did it teach you? 
The biggest money mistake I would say was definitely back in 2018. We were high on the hog and you know how they say high on the hog. We're like, oh, we just did Essence. Everything is great. And then here comes um, slow traffic and Dumbo and, you know, all of that. We, we actually paid ourselves more than we should have. We normally get a percentage. And I was like, oh, don't worry about that. Here's another one. Big mistake. And then all of a sudden it's dry and we're like, oh, no, we can't do that again. So what we've learned is definitely watch your numbers, watch your numbers, never get too excited. I will say that was such a good lesson that when COVID hit, at least in the beginning, we were covered for a few months because I refused to pay us out early, even though we knew that we were doing well. I was like, oh, no, we need to save this up and have some little cushion in the bank. We can't just like go and enjoy everything. Right. And so that totally made a big difference. Yeah, I think that's one of the another one of the most common questions you get is how much should I pay myself? How much do we pay, you know, out what whatever the profits are? And it, it's a it's a sticky game, right? Like typically founders pay themselves the least amount of money possible to keep the business going, but then you have a couple of flush months and you're like, let's do this. And then it once it's out of the business, it's out of the business. So you know, it's just something to think about and really kind of weigh weigh the difference. So Talk to me a little bit about COVID with the impact of being in a mall. Obviously, you have online sales, which I'm sure has been incredible. But like, what was that like for you guys? And how did you sort of prepare to pivot? Yeah, so actually, when we were in the mall, 95% of our sales came through in-person in, um, transactions and interactions. So with COVID, you know, we started noticing that our strong months, was our strong months were <laughs> becoming like March was starting to slow down a bit. You know, you might have 30 sales in a day. So, okay, there are only like five people coming in today. What the heck is going on? And so, you know, within a week, I think of noticing that our governor was like, oh, shutting it down. The city is shut down. And um, we were closed for six months. And we had a lot of false starts. We were told that we would be able to reopen in June and we were only able to reopen curbside because we were in a mall. So here we are like, oh, we're finally in our mall. This is fabulous. It's like, oh, damn, because we're in a mall, we can't reopen until September. We didn't reopen until September night. In the interim, we had to pivot. We had to really boost up our online presence, our e-commerce and we had to partner, you know, make partnerships. So we partnered with Shop Essence or Essence. We partnered with um, Afterpay, Amazon. And we just really did a lot to build partnerships and make sure that we can spread our digital presence, where it's not just our website, but on other platforms where people can shop. And then we had to put a lot of money into online advertisements through Facebook and Instagram and really, um, you know, just be creative with like video calling with customers just give them that because they wanted to be in the shop. So give them that interactive feeling of being in the shop, but find new ways to sell if you can't sell in person. It was, it was a lot, but we definitely got through it. Amazing. And did curbside pickup do well for you? Curbside pickup was cool at first. You know, when it first started, people were excited. They were taking pictures with their bags. They're like, they love to support but it still wasn't the same. We did have people who wanted like private appointments. So we allowed for that. It's not the same when you have a mall with a movie theater upstairs and a bar and lots of bars downstairs. You know, we used to be open until our hours would be like 12 to 9 or 11 to 9. And we would be on Thursdays through Sundays. We'd be there to like 1 a.m. because people are still coming 
So it was totally different. But, um, you know, you take what you can get during a pandemic. You're telling me. I'm literally like, $4, sure, we'll do it. <laughs> right. Yeah, especially as a business owner, you're like, I'll take whatever. So looking back at your career journey, obviously so many ebbs and flows, so many ups and downs, which is, you know, pre- predictable for being an entrepreneur. It's like the unpredictable is predictable. So with the knowledge you have now, what advice would you give yourself looking back, you know, 10 years ago? Looking back 10 years ago, I would say just stay the course, you know, because there were times where, you know, I was optimistic, but then there were times where you just don't know what's happening. And with everything that was going on in my life, all of the challenges, I was just like, oh, you know, (laughs) when do I get to take a breath? But, you know, it's, it's part of being an entrepreneur. And if you can't, you have to be able to be flexible and be resilient. And so, you know, I would tell my myself from 10 years ago, girl, keep pushing, you know, stay flexible and stay ready because you have to be able to dodge. You guys can't see me, but I'm kind of like moving left to right. You got to be able to dodge whatever comes your way and just keep going, you know? Looking to 2021, what would you say you're excited about or looking forward to? I'm excited to go back outside. <laughs> I'm God, who would have ever thought you would be saying that? <laughs> I know. Crazy. I know. I mean, you know, like for me being an entrepreneur, I never got, I never really had opportunities to, um, in the last three years, I was literally like working seven days a week, you know, with the work as well, with my job as well. So there was a lot of things that I missed out on, like weddings and birthdays and traveling. I haven't been on a big, big trip in three years. And so, you know, I just miss being able to go out and have a good time. Now I'm doing that, but I miss like being outside without having masks. I miss, I miss markets like creating Cultivate and, you know, Essence. I, that was like the biggest thing. We, we were so geared up for market season. So 2021, I pray that we're all outside and we can really kill it next year and like just really put, you know, the, ba- the brands and the businesses out there and connect with humans in person. Like that's fun. I miss that. Uh, yeah, totally. And have you seen your, your business is obviously all about inspiration, but have you seen your business inspire others to start their own businesses? Oh yeah. So it's so funny every time. So we create and cultivate and mascara, whenever we do something, people always hit me up. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to start a business. Can you please teach me? And I'm like, okay. Like, you know, so I see that, you know, I have a lot of friends, just friends who have friends who want to start their own business. And they're like, speak to Michelle. And I started Kador Advisory Group, which helps other small businesses, you know, to um, build and grow. And I think that it's really cool that that is basically why I started my business to help other people feel inspired and empowered. So when I get, even if they're not starting a business, it might be something that I post on Yes, I Am Clothing. I love to put a quote because the quote is not just for my audience. It's also for me to keep going. And they'll be like, you don't know how much this meant to me. And I'm like, oh, it's here. You know, so it's like, okay, the brand is bigger than clothing. It's about just, you know, being you. And I love that it really resonates with a lot of people. You literally have like five companies. I love it. <laughs> you don't stop. It's good. Seven so, streams uh, of income. Uh-huh. Yes, multiple streams yes, of income. You heard some. it here. <laughs> so when it comes to the fashion industry, obviously it's been called out for not being inclusive or diverse. So what changes would you like to see in the fashion industry? I mean, we definitely want to see more representation, but that is why, you know, we started with our own shop. 
a lot of people, especially independent designers, don't get to have their work featured in mainstream. And so we're like, you know what? I have a shirt that says, keep the seat. I want the whole damn table. Like, we'll just build it ourselves, <laughs> you know, and we'll put you on so that Essence can now see your shirt and rock it on their thing, you know, or any other big brand will see what you're doing. So um, I think it's important, of course, to have representation because we're made up of so many different people. And, um, you know, people of color, creatives of color, minorities, they need to get a chance to show their talents. Absolutely. And you guys are obviously paving the way in the path to do that. So one thing we're asking everyone this season on the podcast is how do you handle failure or when something hasn't worked out for you? And what do you do in those specific moments? So in those moments, I cry. (laughs) Those moments, I'm like, you know, being real, you know, those moments I'm like, oh, but I mean, these are like the cheapest lessons. Uh, granted, the failure is not that expensive, right? These are the best lessons. There are, to me, it's not so much failure as it is experience, you know? So you take whatever it is, whatever mistake that you've learned and you grow from it, whatever mistake you experience, you grow from that and you see, how can I do this differently? How can I do this better? And sure, you're going to feel like totally down in a moment you know, but you have to be able to realize that, okay, what's for me is for me and what's not is not. And once you realize that you'll move forward, I think even more quickly and, um, get over the, the setback. Setbacks are always set up. Setbacks are always set up. I'm like, write that down. Who has a piece of paper? <laughs> I love it. All right. So we're going to wrap with some sentence finishers. Are you ready? Ooh, okay. Try me. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest career decision I've ever made. Hardest career decision I ever made was to turn down a job and ask for more money. And it actually worked out. I was scared. My friend told me to, you know, she was like, no, you're worth. And I was like, no, I don't want this. I want $20,000 more. And they were like, if you want $20,000 more, if I could get that for you, will you come? I said, if you do that for me, I will run with you into the sunset, girl. And she got it for me. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, I love that so much. It's so true. Like, I think women are so scared to ask for money, especially a lot of money. And I always tell this story that, you know, for so long when I was running my own business, my first company, I was charging, I think it was you know, three to five grand a month for some fit for services. And I just thought that was standard until I talked to someone else who had a similar business. And she was like, I charge a minimum of 10. And I was like, what? And I remember being like, no one would ever pay that. And then I just tried with a new business. It was like, let me just throw it out there. And they were like, cool. Yeah. Where do we sign? I was like, hello. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like what? But like, that's why I think it's so important for women to, like you said, you went to your friend and like, be like, Hey, like, this is what I need. This is what I want. You might not always get it. Like that's the kicker. It's like, you might not always get it. Right. Um, but it's worth asking for, for sure. Close mouths don't get fed. You know that. Absolutely. Okay. The three qualities that have got me to where I am today. Resilience, definitely being stubborn (laughs) and definitely just being flexible. I think those are the best three qualities, not giving up, you know, knowing what I want and not being afraid to ask for it and say, this is what I want. And definitely realizing that, you know, everything can't go your way, but you should be able to like be able to move and make things work no matter what. My number one money tip for small business owners is know your numbers. So I had a boss who used to corner me everywhere. She'd be like, what are your numbers? What are your numbers? What are your numbers? And I used to be like on pins and needles every time, like drove me insane. 
But let me tell you something, as crazy as that woman was, I was like, you know what? That makes so much sense because now, like I said, I'm the numbers person. As soon as we're done with this, I'm going to do the financial reports. And I'm like, I got to know where's our money going? What's happening with this? What's happening with that? How much did we bring in? What's making us sales? You know, so you've got to know your numbers, especially if you want to get investments, you know, they want to know that you know your numbers and where you're spending it too. So know your numbers and just, you know, watch it carefully. Absolutely. And fashion is? Fashion is art. Fashion is art. Fashion is your expression of who you are. You know, um, right now I'm wearing my I'm Speaking Women Everywhere off of Miss Kamala Harris, you know. Love it. Uh, I know. I've been wearing that for like the last three days. I wore it to vote yesterday. I'm like, listen, I have something to say. I'll put my little voting sticker on my lips. (laughs) My chest says it all. But, um, you know, fashion is an expression of who you are. And so I, I think that it's really important that, you know, we express ourselves through our clothing and give those messages or whatever funky things you want to wear. Just be you, you know, it's our, it's our bodies. Do what you want. Be free. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much, Michelle. Can you tell us where we can find more information on Yes, I Am, Despot, and Kador Advisory Group? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, So you can find Yes, I Am Clothing uh, on Instagram at Yes, I Am Inc. Y-E-S-I-A-M. I-N-C or at yesiaminc.com. Same thing, Y-E-S-A-I-M-I-N-C.com. You can also find the Spot NYC um, in downtown Brooklyn, located in City Point Mall, 445 Albee Square West. Uh, you can find us online at the Spot NYC and it's D-A-S-P-O-T-N-Y-C, like the Spot. And also on, in, on um, our website, D-A-S-P-O-T-N-Y-C.com. And Kador Advisory, you can just email me at info at kadoradvisorygroup.com, info at C-A-D-O-R-E advisorygroup.com. All right. Amazing. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much Jacqueline. Of course. Bye. Love it. Bye. Have you bought your copy of Work Party the Book? Part Career Manifesto, part Practical Business Advice, Work Party the Book is everything I wish I knew during my early years as an entrepreneur ups, the downs, the things I learned and the women that helped me to make it happen. Just like in our podcast, Work Party the Book does not shy away from the nitty gritty details you need to know. If you hope to start your own business or become the HBIC at your current gig, we're here to help you out. Available in hardcover and audiobook on Amazon, also on iBooks at Target and your local bookstore. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Work Party, the podcast. If you felt inspired and learned something new, let us know in a review on iTunes and check us out on social at Work Party. For every episode, we have downloadable resources available on workparty.com so you can put these tips and tools into action for your own business. Thanks again for listening. And as always, work hard, party on.